This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to another episode of the Out of the Blue podcast. My name is Moor Soller, and today I'm joined by Dr. Samuel Chung and Matthias Salathi, who are the authors of today's article for discussion. That article is Electronic Cigarette Vapor with Nicotine Causes Airway Mucociliary Dysfunction, Preferentially Via TRPA1 Receptors. I'm also joined by Dr. Mehmet Kessimer, who will be an expert discussant. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. So, I'm gonna actually start with Dr. Kessimer. Tell us a little bit about what we know about e-cigarettes. Yeah, in a broader term, uh, e-cigarette is basically a, a, a system to deliver nicotine. So as we all know, the nicotine is highly addictive substance. So um, electronic cigarettes, since uh, it is introduced in the, in the early 2000s, they evolved in terms of the geometry and their uh, capacity of delivering uh, nicotine dramatically evolved. It, uh, current generations of e-cigarettes uh, delivering uh, nicotine may be much more efficiently than the, the first generation and second generation e-cigarette device. So what is e-cigarette device? Basically, I would say three component. Uh, what do you need uh, is a device and the liquid. Uh, the liquid part has uh, basically a vehicle, which is a propylene glycol and a vegetable glycerin. Uh, we call it PGVG. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, flavor, most of them has flavor in it. I mean, uh, Today, as far as we know, uh, there is, uh, you know, maybe a couple of thousand uh, uh, compounds uh, that gives the flavor uh, to the, uh, the e-cigarettes available in the markets. And obviously, uh, also the uh, uh, variable concentration of nicotine in the liquid. So uh, why we're studying e-cigarette is another the question. So, uh, because there's a confusion about whether the e-cigarettes are actually safer, uh, not just to the lung or the other systems, epithelial and endothelial and other systems. So, uh, therefore, the uh, the adverse uh, health effects of the e-cigarette yet to be studied. So, uh, fortunately. Uh, Quite recently, starting from uh, you know, two, three years ago, uh, the, the papers about the showing the adverse uh, health effect of the e-cigarettes are increasing. Uh, this paper from um, Dr. Salati's group is one of them. Uh, so, Dr. Salati, you were the senior author on this manuscript. Why did you want to study the role of e-cigarettes on mucociliary function? As Dr. Kessemer already alluded to, well, we were interested in how these e-cigarettes are affecting especially the lung because we know a lot about how tobacco cigarettes and tobacco smoke affect the lung. And the question was, 
is the e-cigarette vapor doing something in a negative way to the lung or is it innocuous as a lot of people were thinking using this device to deliver nicotine basically in a with no harm to the lungs so that was the basic premise and when we started this very little was known as dr kessmer alluded to there were very few articles on effect of um, electronic cigarettes on the lungs and we were wondering whether we can at least scientifically examine this question both with cells in vitro but also with a more full organism and we're going to go back into that in a second so so dr samuel chung um, tell us a little bit about your experimental design and how you went about testing the effects of e-cigarettes on mucociliary function. Uh, so for our experimental design, um, it was initially based on the air-liquid interface system where we essentially harvest primary human bronchoepithelial cells from uh, donor lungs that were rejected for transplant. And um, we went through the list of lungs we had and we selected never smokers. And we fully differentiated them on the ALI system to be able to uh, get them to be um, fully functional representative um, of the human lung. They have cilia, they have ciliary beating, they have uh, mucus, and in some cases, they actually have uh, essentially mucociliary transport in vitro. And Using this system, we try to leverage the ALI system with a lot of the new tools that we actually were developing in the lab, um, methodologies actually. The biggest one that really um, started this all was actually being able to use a nebulizer to have controlled depositions of whatever we actually were interested in. And I think that was pretty much the critical experiment to see maybe if we were onto something where we were able to isolate nicotine by itself and deposit it in, in small doses and bigger doses and whatever and actually see very huge impacts on certain parameters of uh, mucociliary function. Uh, for example, uh, we, a, a big marker that we normally measure is airway surface liquid hydration or volume and that dictates roughly how well the ALI culture is hydrated. Um, other measures include uh, mucus viscosity. This was actually uh, surprisingly affected by the nicotine. And in terms of uh, other components, we had to develop other methodologies such as measuring calcium uh, in these fully differentiated cells, which was a little trickier than normal. Um, different dyes can go into these cells like FIRA2 or SNARF1, but it's really hard to calibrate these things. So instead, we actually used a different fluorophore called GCAMP6S, and this is actually a very fancy name for a um, chemodulin-based fluorescent reporter. And this is what we used to measure calcium levels within the cells and how they responded to the nicotine. And another, I think, big component of our measurements was the mucociliary clearance or mucociliary tr transport in vitro. And we did this with actually um, help with help from Dr. Larry Ostrowski at UNC and he he had actually developed a device called the mucociliary transport device that had that that, that generates continuous circular uh, um, mucus transport 
in vitro. And we adapted this to our uh, 12 millimeter transwells that, that we grow the ALI cultures on. And we adapted them in order to be able to vape potentially uh, vape or nebulize these uh, cultures. So basically using these different measures, we set out to ask how much nicotine is required to affect these parameters, if at all. Um, what about different drugs that affect uh, nicotinic receptors, whether canonical or novel, such as the AAA one. And um, that's kind of how things kind of rolled forward with this, uh, with this study. So, so first tell me a little bit about what you found were the effects of the e-cigarette or the nicotine from the e-cigarettes, and then tell me a little bit about this receptor TRPA1. So for some of the markers we measured that I kind of briefly, hopefully brief, uh, briefly went over, um, the nicotine uh, exposure actually decreased the airway surface liquid volume, uh, indicating that hydration was affected. And this was kind of seen in parallel with the increase in mucus viscosity, suggesting the mucus was getting stickier. So it was drying out, essentially, just with the um, exposure of nicotine independent of you know, the, the solvent or whatnot. And that was kind of striking. And so um, we went forward and looked for nicotinic receptors within that are expressed in the airway epithelium. And there are two major families that are known to be expressed. The one that most people consider, including myself, um, we consider the nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, the canonical ones. And we also came across this A one as a novel nicotine receptor in the airway epithelium. And we found different pharmacological tools that surprisingly um, was kind of helpful in trying to separate out and tease out what's going on. And there were three inhibitors that were used in this study. Um, the A96, uh, was abbreviated, uh, was targeted for the A one The hexamethonium is known to be a nicotinic receptor selective inhibitor, and mecamilamine is actually known as a dual inhibitor for both, both families. And using these inhibitors and using the calcium, um, this GCAM system that I kind of briefly des described, we were able to tease out that the majority of the calcium response that we were seeing in airway epithelial cells were actually through A one so after discovering that A one mediated the effects of nicotine on calcium function and uh, volume, um, uh, you guys used a sheet model to determine the effect of this drug. Uh, Dr. Salathi, can you tell me a little bit more about that? So every time you do experiments in culture systems, there is always the question, even though you use as fully differentiated primary cells as possible that resemble a human being, there still is a question whether this is really occurring in a more intact organism. These cultures do not contain certain cells, such as inflammatory cells, but also some of the nerve endings that go to the airway epithelium. And so the question always remains, is this really truly a reflection of biology in an intact organism, or is this just a effect that you can see in a cell culture model? Therefore, we needed to do these experiments in an organism. The idea was to use an organism in terms of clearance that is similar to human beings because we didn't find it very ethical to go directly to human beings and, and do this kind of experimentation, um, even though I, I have to say something later about that as well. 
So the sheep has been used um, by our collaborators a lot um, in testing mucosillary function with different medications. And therefore, we chose to go into this model by delivering very controlled substances into the sheep and then measuring mucosillary clearance, but also collecting the mucus from the sheep and the, to mark, I'm sorry, to measure inflammation as well as mucins and mucus concentrations in there. And what we found is basically that the laboratory experiments with these primary cell cultures, we could replicate the results in the sheep. There was a significant decrease um, in mucosillary clearance, even though that was mostly nicotine dependent, there was even a small decrease in clearance with the solvents, the propylene glycol and the vegetable glycerin as well. And the nicotine effect, again, could be reversed by inhibitors of the TRIP-A1 channel. So we felt strong or strongly that the findings we showed in vitro were actually applicable to a whole organism. So, so you, you said that you wanted to say something about the translation from the in vitro to the animal models and then into humans. So obviously, it's in, in human beings, if you find some adverse effects, it's not ethical to just take people from the street and ask them to start vaping for several reasons. One is you cannot really do that with nicotine because we know that there is addiction potential with nicotine and we, we don't want to suddenly create um, a situation where we expose human beings that become addicted to this. Um, and number two, as long as we don't have a better understanding of the other components of the e-liquid, such as the solvents like propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin, but also the flavors, then the question is always, how far can you go in a human trial experiment without introducing harm? <clears throat> However, what can be done, and that is being done at the University of North Carolina currently, is to use people who vape already and see whether their clearance of the lung is normal or not. So in a reverse engineering point of view, people already doing this, so you're not introducing any new harm to them, but then measure in these people whether the data that we received from the sheep and the in vitro data, whether they are actually holding up in a real world environment. So Dr. Kessmer, what do you think the impact of this article will have on the field and where is the future of e-cigarette research going to go? The readers of this uh, journal, Glue Journal, knows the, uh, the importance of the uh, mucociliary clearance, which is one of the basic defense mechanisms of the lung, which requires an optimum properties. So optimum properties or the composition of the mucus. So number one, I mean, me mechanism, uh, number one, uh, clearance mechanism should have transportable mucus on top of the properly beating cilia, which is very important. So um, there are a number of reasons this uh, system can fail in the disease, even after uh, cigarette smoking without even developing COPD, which is uh, down the road, uh, eventually will develop COPD. So uh, Having said that, the increased viscoelasticity of this mucus, elevated mucin mucus concentration, and 
accompanied by the mucociliary impaired mucociliary clearance is commonly seen in the cigarette smoke. Uh, we know that that uh, down the road goes to the COPD or chronic bronchitis. So what what this study shows actually, uh, this is happening. This may be happening also the e-cigarette users due to the uh, due to the fact that the nicotine high nicotine content may affect the the uh, channels that uh, related to important for the mucociliary clearance. So in the in the past, uh, again, in the Blue Journal, a couple of other part articles show that uh, the compositional differences of the mucus. And uh, that kind of goes with the Dr. Salatis group's observation. The, the compositional change may be the, uh, due to the fact that imp- uh, coupled with the impaired mucociliary clearance, therefore could be potentially harmful uh, for developing uh, lung diseases, chronic bronchitis or uh, the COPD in the long run. So that's why this uh, study important to showing that the, uh, the, on top of the previous findings, uh, this uh, study shows the mucociliary clearance uh, could be affected by the, uh, the high dose of nicotine. And the, uh, with regards to the second question, uh, obviously there are, we, we have to learn uh, more about the, uh, the effect of e-cigarettes, not just nicotine, also the, PG, uh, the, 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 the PGVG and also uh, the flavors, uh, which actually the, uh, a lot of uh, recent studies uh, on the rise uh, showing their effect as well. And... Uh, there, obviously, there's a need for a longitudinal study, uh, which mostly the human studies are cross-sectional at the moment, and it uh, basically depends on the uh, small uh, number of uh, e-cigarette users because of the difficulties of the, um, the uh, recruiting the e-cigarette users. And uh, it needs to be done in a much larger cohort and maybe includes the... Uh, the uh, the, the longitudinal uh, part in it uh, with the large uh, observational studies. Well, thank you very much, all of you, for joining us today. I, I'm sure the readers of the Blue Journal and the listeners to this, of this podcast are going to really enjoy your, this conversation. Thank you very much. To read the article discussed in this podcast, please visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes or Google Play. You can also subscribe to stay updated whenever new episodes are available. Thanks for listening and have a great day.